Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., a program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. We try to rely on the wisdom of the Word of God for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church, or as we like to say here at the LCRL, we're trying to put our temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of God for all. And one of the issues uh, upon which both liberties depend is that of life. That's one of the reasons why the LCRL is in Washington, D.C. I mean, we're here to advocate for life, to defend our church's voice concerning life in the public square, but also to advocate for the life of all people because it's a, it's a fundamental truth upon which our freedoms literally depend. I mean, what what kind of country is it if you can actually have the government declare that certain innocent lives are not worth living? And that's what, see, that's what the founders understood. They understood that the government doesn't grant life. They don't grant it. And, and so there's a sense where people of a culture, they should cherish life. They should protect life. They should yearn for life. And we are at that moral moment at the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, where we're back to actually defending life for the sake of all. And so I I think it's important that we understand uh, that this is not a political issue. There's 20 million pro-life Democrats. Get it back on your platform if you're Democrat. And uh, Republicans, show some courage concerning life. And this is the moment when we can be a powerful, positive voice in culture for the sake of all people. So today on the program, we are talking about the Dobbs decision. We are talking about the overturning of Roe. It's been over a year now, and I'm talking with Tim Gagline, Vice President of Government Communications for Focus on the Family. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be with you. Well, listen, you know, the Dobbs anniversary is just behind us. And, and, and again, I've read some wonderful articles that say a vast majority uh, of the American people, not just social conservatives, but a vast majority of American people want some restriction on abortion. And Vice President Pence actually said 15 weeks is a winning argument. But on top of that, the social conservatives, which is a huge voting block, I don't know, 35 percent of, of the, the electorate, are in a complete agreement on abortion as a heinous crime against humanity. Um, But a year after Dobbs, I guess I want to start off by asking the question, what exactly did Dobbs accomplish and and what did it hoist upon us? And and so let's start our conversation that way. You bet. You know, uh, when Abraham Lincoln, Greg, went to Richmond just after uh, the, the historic agreement at Appomattox Courthouse, Black Americans, uh, quite literally, were uh, throwing themselves at him in gratitude. They yelled, Father Abraham, you know, Father Abraham. They sort of wanted to touch his cloak. This idea 
that uh, that that one human could own another human this idea that one human could benefit from the labors you know of another human right uh, this whole idea of the complete denigration of what it means to be created in the image of god i mean the the idea of dred scott and and what dred scott really represented over against a civil war that took 750,000 uh, american lives right so you know the the, the reason I start my my, uh, my my comment to you is that, you know, we have had, uh, you know, 49, 50 years of Roe against Wade. But as everybody knows who has followed the abortion debacle, the, the abortion catastrophe, there, there was an argument long before uh, Roe against Wade uh, over, over uh, abortion in the States. You know, Doe v. Bolton, we don't need to talk about that today. People forget the importance of this case and how it allowed, it set the predicate uh, for the disaster of Roe against Wade. Greg, I was just reading Roe against Wade. I, I had not read the decision for many, many years. And I think, I think the bottom line is this. We've had a half a century or more uh, of a government saying that it was really okay to destroy innocent preborn life. Right. You know, including birth. And right. so here we have one year, only one year, and we're celebrating uh, Dobbs. What an incredible victory. It, it's like when Dred Scott, you know, was overturned. Uh, well, but here let we me... are yeah, a year afterward, and people are on the other side are saying, gee, why aren't you winning everything? <laughs> right. you know, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you've you had one year, why aren't you winning everything? I, well, mean, I think it's it's really uh, quite exceptional. Well, let me and, and and let me pull back from that because I was at uh, the the senators gathered and and they were uh, commemorating this and they were talking about this and where we stand on this. And I heard some wonderful things. I mean, some incredible things. So I heard resolve. I heard moral resolve in, in some of these uh, um, elected officials that I haven't really heard before. But one of the things that I tended to hear more and more was you know we're we're defending the child and we're defending you know the mother because of all the heinous things that actually do happen in abortion that no one ever talks about to to women but what i wasn't hearing is what you just said and i think that's the heart of it was that in roe v wade the 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 state actually could declare innocent life as life not worth living and then you could dispose of it as you wish. That was the fundamental principle that finally got overturned because people finally said, wait a minute, the state doesn't have that right. Well, there are places now that if you're too old, they might say, well, that life is not worth living. You're too young. That life's not worth living. And of course, we've seen in history, if you got the wrong ideology, there are states that'll say that life's not worth living either. And we stand against all of that. And I want to hear our side speak more to that, right? I mean, isn't that the heart of the re of the issue? It's even bigger than abortion it is absolutely bigger than abortion and i'm very glad you have have made this uh made this declaration greg we've had 65 million abortions right. uh since roe against wade became the law of the land now you know to to share with people who are listening to us the the, the calamity and the scope and the the, co the colossal nature of that that's as if we take the entire population of the United States, the entire population west of the Mississippi River, and add it together with the entire population, say, of some place like Italy. That's how many human beings Amazing. are missing 
it is from our human family. And to your point, if I may, if for a half a century, the government officially says you can destroy and take the life of innocent preborn children, and then after 50 years, you have this rather Lincoln-esque liberating moment that we have with Dobbs, it seems to me the, the height of irrationality that people who do not share our defense of human life would somehow make a political statement that, you know, you've had one year and gosh, in a year, you've not banned abortion in all 50 states. You must be losing. You know, I mean, th this is not <laughs> how this is not how social or cultural change happens. It happens slowly. It happens incrementally. But my heavens, we're only a year afterward and 24 to 25,000 babies have been allowed to be born. That to mm. me uh, is a is a in and of itself is a great victory. Well, and when I look at back at history, you you know, you brought up the Dred Scott ruling and then we just had Juneteenth where, you know, people have been talking about, well, the declaration was made, the victories were won, but it never reached these particular people till then. And it almost sounds like, well, if it doesn't reach them, I guess we should just, you know, abdicate the victory. That's kind of the that's that's the argument that the other side is using against us right now. Well, you haven't won all the victories yet. You haven't declared it to the ends of the earth. So uh, maybe you lose. And I just look at this and I say, also, even after. After we won, uh, we eradicated slavery to the degree we did with the Civil War. Then you had the, the the rising up of the KKK and you had the Jim Crow laws. And I always tell people there were 3,500 lynchings of black Americans, but there were 1,500 plus lynchings of white Americans who were fighting still for the freedom of black Americans. Well, we're at that same kind of moment, I think, with the unborn and also uh, with this notion that there is innocent life worth protecting no matter what you think about that particular life, whether it's an aged life or whether it's a young life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So have we, I, I, here's, have we lost our capacity for shame? Because mm -hmm. some of this stuff, I don't, you know, if, if you're unashamed, of killing a life like Peter Singer, that philosopher, they invited him to speak on human rights at some conference at Princeton one time. And he came up there and talked about how you can you 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 can kill an unborn child because it doesn't have the value of a born pig, you know, or something like that. And I thought, this is the guy you want to have talk about human rights uh, here. Have we lost the capacity for shame? And can law can just law uh, prevent us from going over the abyss if we've lost that capacity for shame. You, you know, I, again, I'm glad you've made these points because they are so salient. To take one step back and then one step forward, if I may. Okay. You know, after after uh, Abraham Lincoln was reelected, which he himself was quite surprised by. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he began uh, to create the policy which would become known as Reconstruction. Right. And Reconstruction was going to be the era in America where uh, where slavery was no longer the law of the land. Of course, the terrible irony, Greg, is that President Lincoln was murdered on Good Friday. Right. And his whole concept of Reconstruction, you know, that era of human liberty and freedom and how it would actually be worked out in the United States was completely upended by the man who became the president of the United States. In fact, he uh, purposely uh, turned over all of the Lincoln views of Reconstruction. The reason I mention that 
is that we are now uh, in a new era of reconstruction. And, and, and our nation is working out right now on how the post-federal acceptance of abortion is going to be determined. Mm -hmm. uh, we certainly know part of it. Part of it is that some states are going to ban altogether. Some mm -hmm. states are going to partially ban. Some states are going to become abortion sanctuaries. And there may at some uh, point be a federal ban, maybe of up to 15 weeks or something like that. But the mm -hmm. fact is, is that in, in our constitutional republic, we have to work this out. And it, it, it's like someone has taken a baseball bat to, uh, you know, to our Constitution. And finally, after 50 years, that terrible bruise is healing. Right. So I, I, I must tell you, I am extremely hopeful uh, mm -hmm. that we are becoming a, a more pro-life nation, even as the voices that love abortion and embrace, uh, you know, embrace abortion become even more radicalized. And I, so I guess we should start, let's just start here then, because I, I want to end our program talking about the positive pro-life voice and why it's such yeah. a great opportunity for us in this culture. But the first thing we have to say, and we have to say this boldly to people, is that what happened last year was the federal government was put in its place. Uh, the government does not have the right to reclassify you as a human being. It just doesn't have that right. Science has told us that from conception, that that embryo in the womb is a child and it's domicile in the body of a woman. It is not her body in that particular case. And so, again, all these arguments that say, here's how you can dispose of that innocent life. They're now being kind of shown for what they are. But here's my my issue for us as pro-life people. And I, I love the pro-life movement, uh, the March for Life, especially when they every year had a theme like pro-life is pro-woman, pro-life is pro-child, pro-life is pro-marriage, pro-life is pro-husbands and family. It's also pro-science, et cetera, et cetera. Very, very positive, positive for everybody type of messaging. But here's my issue. Um there's always got to there's also got to be a boundary for a breach of that message if this really is a fundamental message in our life. Uh, let me give you an example of what I mean. You can wax lyrical and I'm going to go on a I'm going to use a different example on uh, the beauty of ownership, you know, owning property for instance. Pride in ownership, more beautiful neighborhoods, people caring for what's precious for them, et cetera, et cetera. But if you won't arrest the thief who steals the property from you, I mean, what have you really accomplished? And I think we're at that moment where we're going to have to realize we have to do two things, that positive, positive, positive message, but also this far and no farther. We have to set that standard or really what are what have we accomplished? Um, so is that kind of where we are in the messaging? Do people realize that they have to do both of those things? Uh, the answer, I think, Greg, if I may uh, be politic for a minute, I think the answer is at the same time, yes and no. Okay. Uh, yeah, you, yeah you, you're beer politicking now. <laughs> here, here, here's why I believe that. Uh, I was in a debate just after uh, Dobbs, and my interlocutor was making a strong case uh, for the Roeization of all 50 state constitutions. In other words, since Roe versus Wade had been overturned uh, as unconstitutional, her goal, she said, and, and that of her organization, was to codify or indemnify uh, Roe into all 50 state constitutions. And then she used the, the word that I think is really a toxic word, which is, you know, extremist. And, and I said, uh, uh, I said, if we can take a time out for a minute, just just one moment. I, I said, 
you're 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 using that word and you know it'll be used a million more times but i'd like to ask you a question if i may of course she said mm -hmm. i i said it isn't it an extremist position to say that you want every constitution in the united states which is to say the state constitutions that you want all 50 of them to say that abortion should be right and legal up to and including the moment of birth Right. And there was a strange pause in our debate. Mm -hmm. And she knew at that point that she that 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 the answer was yes, but she didn't want to answer yes. No, and she this doesn't. Is, right. And this is the problem we're up against, which is those of us who are proudly pro-life, mm -hmm. those of us who proudly are honored to be a part of the legacy of the ash heap of history in Roe, we are eager with specificity to speak about what we want. But the other side knows, because of the point that you made, Greg, that the country is not completely uh, or even entirely with them. They are the extremists. They truly uh, are those that where there's no moderation, there's no tolerance in their position. They want the, 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 the state constitutional right. And frankly, they want the federal constitutional right to be able to take the life of an innocent preborn baby up to and including, and by the way, some of them after the birth of the, of the child. And so, what does uh, so? I feel confident we have to keep articulating our yeah. viewpoint. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm saying. We have to debunk these shibboleths. I mean, they've got yeah. they just say these statements, and then you say, "Wait a minute!" They lit up the Empire State Building pink when they celebrated the passing of legislation in New York that allows a, a woman to kill the baby even after it's born. And then you have to just stand back from that, folks, and look at it and say, wait a minute, is that what human beings do to other human beings? And and whatever happened to the notion of I'm with child and 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 families wanting to raise children, whatever happened to the joy of that? People used to say, if I can't have children, man, that that's, you know, life, I can't go on living. Now we're exactly the opposite. Kids are just an annoyance that get in the way. Well, I, I guess I asked the question, when aren't they to some degree, you know, even... I think Singer said it this way, and I, he said even after 28 days, I think he made an argument that the child doesn't have an awareness yet. You could kill it up to 28 days. And I'm thinking, folks, step back and ask yourself, is this the kind of humanity we want? Because the callousness of that, when you can overcome your maternal instincts, when you can overcome your fatherly instincts, when you can, when you can actually rage against your wife, your your child your your uh infant when you can do that kind of stuff because it gets in the way of something my gosh what's the restriction and we're saying life is the restriction may, may i say to note that to that very point in the history of the united states senate i thought the most clarifying moment uh in in the pro-life movement was a now famous or depending on your view infamous debate uh in the u.s senate on the floor which is rare enough and you had then Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum, and you had then uh, Senator uh, uh, Barbara Boxer of California. And, and Senator Santorum rightfully said to his colleague, you know, what is the definition of a baby? W when do we call it a baby? Right. And her response, I'm paraphrasing, her response is when we take it home from the hospital. You know, uh, I mean, you know, is there a more callous response? And at that very moment, uh, Senator Santorum, in, in a, just a moment of total exasperation, he said, it's a baby. It's a baby, you know, uh, up above where, where people visiting the Senate 
you know, watch the debates. There was a baby in the gallery who began to cry uh, at that moment. I mean, it, it was really a providential moment. And that's why, Greg, we at Focus on the Family have a brand new uh, $3 million ad campaign, which you're aware of, which, which uh, is, is one of the most powerful uh, pro-life ad campaigns uh, since Dobbs. It's absolutely terrific. And I, I'm eager for people to, to watch it. I know you have. And it just perfectly underscores that we're not talking about something theoretical here. We're right. talking about the beauty of a human life. And, and our church, the LCMS, also has an initiative now, a million dollars dedicated to churches yeah. who want to kind of sh- share the pro-life message and to serve people in need. And, and so those are great opportunities to actually put your voice to work. And I guess, and, and you know, getting towards the end of the program here today, we're looking back, but we're also looking forward. We're defending life. One of the reasons, you know, we talk about what we're doing in Washington. We're not politicizing things. We're trying to take politics out of a lot of these things. And we focus on two things, particularly religious liberty, because we can defend it for all people. Not that we agree with everybody's views on on religion and faith and all that, but we think in the in the uh, public square, our ideas can actually hold their own and and persuade and bring people to faith. So we we just want access. Same thing with the um, defending life. We're defending it for everybody, and I think that's what people don't understand. We're not trying to just beat our opponents in this. We actually think there's a principle where if you jettison the notion that there's some life that can be classified as not worth living when it's an innocent life. Man, that's a society you don't want to live in. And isn't that finally, you know, those two big things, that's really why we're in D.C. to say to the government, these are not your area. These are our areas. It's our area of conscience, and this is how we get to be neighbors to one another. That's a winning message, isn't it? It's a it's a totally winning message, and I think it's why Uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris ultimately have a losing message because uh, as Pope John Paul II uh, famously wrote, there are two worldviews here. One worldview is the Biden-Harris view, and that is the culture of death. And then there is uh, then there is the scriptural view, uh, which is the culture of life, the, uh, and and that's ultimately what the pro life movement uh, you know is uh, is rooted in. It is light versus darkness, right. and our job in the pro life movement uh, is to light more candles. Uh, our job is to continue with faithfulness and goodwill and civility and man magnanimity and grace, the the grace of Jesus Christ. I I love these words of St. Paul. I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, You know, it's it's in his image that we are all created. We are, uh, you know, bearers of the eternal and the eternal things matter. And one of those is human life. And I I think that that, that the long-term prospects of more executive orders and making the Pentagon into an abortion clinic and making Making veterans uh, hospitals into abortion clinics. I just have to believe, Greg, that in this large, remarkable country, that most Americans think that, that the culture of death is a pretty bad idea. Well, folks, you've heard it. And and I also just uh, noticed that uh, Vice President Harris actually was encouraging teenagers to lead the way, to lead the abortion fight. And I'm thinking something that's this, you know, matter of fact about life and death, and she's looking to teenagers 
to lead the way on this? Um, no, it's time for people who really care about others and can see the bigger picture here. If Dred Scott was egregious, and it was because the government didn't have the right to determine and say, you're not a life worth living, then they don't have the right to do that to the unborn, to the aged, or anybody in between. Well, thank you, Tim, for being here with us. Keep up the fight. Uh, this is the one-year anniversary, and uh, is this is a day forward for that, the sanity and the sanctity of life to finally uh, find its day again in our culture. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, and God bless you, and God bless the decision on Dobbs. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash lcrlfreedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 